it's great to be together today. Glad everybody could make it. Hope you're doing good. Uh, Peter, I appreciated that communion. You know, repentance is awesome. And, uh, you know, repentance isn't sitting in your room and crying all day. Um, it's not if you think enough bad thoughts about yourself, you've repented. Repentance is actually changing your mindset. You know, where, from, where your mindset goes from just thinking about yourself to, okay, I want to focus on God and his kingdom, and everything I get, I'm going to do is going to be through that mindset. So repentance is awesome, and uh, we're going to have a good time today. I hope you're doing good. You may be in mourning like me. Dave, I bow to you. He smiles at me, and I still love you. His football team beat my football team yesterday. I had visions of glory. My team has not been good for a while, the Arizona Wildcats. And I was like, this is our year. And then we lost, and I knew we lost when I came in this morning. And you know Dave, everybody who knows Dave, he's very, usually very calm. And he just looked at me and gave me a smile. And I was like, oh, you dirty dog. You dirty dog. But I will be humble. You beat me. I hope you're having a great weekend. I got to say, I went to an amazing party last night. And you know, sometimes you're just in the right place at the right time. I just, Jaime's loss on Tuesday night was my gain. My gain. Unfortunately, Jaime Diaz's car broke down Tuesday. So I was like, hey, could I, when we broke up into D groups uh, for the men's midweek, I was like, hey, could I hop in with you guys at Ventura? And then Eric's like, hey, just so you know, I'm having a housewarming party for everybody in the Ventura group on Saturday. And I sit there, and I'm like, what? and he's like, well, Steve, you're here. You're invited. I'm like, yeah. And, you know, you go into, you, you're used to going into somebody's house, and maybe you see some flowers here. And then over here on a the table, there's some flowers. And over here, there's some flowers. Well, I thought I was, I thought I was in heaven. Pile of meat. I'm not even exaggerating. Pile of meat. Pile of meat. Giant bowl of coconut shrimp. Uh, you're like, I was like angry at myself that my stomach couldn't hold in more. Uh, so uh, Eric and Donna put on the most amazing thing. And then it was kid heaven. They have this huge backyard. You know, it's funny. My kids were all worried. They've never been there. What's it going to be like? We get there, and it's amazing. And then Eric made this tire swing. He's like, bro, that can hold 260 pounds. So we got like five kids on there just chucking that thing. So Eric's like, hey, bro, can you not make it go sideways? If they fall off, that could be bad. But uh, a lot of fun, a lot of fun. And uh, if you can get yourself invited and meats on the menu, you are lucky indeed. Wow, it was amazing. Well, I want to talk about truth. And, you know, truth has become very subjective in our society today. Um... You know, today everything revolves around the individual. You know, uh, everything revolves around how the individual feels, how the individual thinks. And I'm going to use an exaggerated example. If you've known me long, you know I can exaggerate sometimes. But, you know, there was a time when everybody would agree this is a chair. Hey, this is a chair. If somebody said it wasn't a chair, it's like, dude, it's a chair. You sit on it. It's not the most comfortable chair, but it's a chair. But in today's society, truth has become so subjective, somebody could be like, I feel like this is a pillow. And, and people would be like, okay, yeah, it's a pillow too. And somebody could be like, I feel like it's a beautiful flower. I want to put it up in my house. 
smell it. Do you smell it? It's a beautiful flower. And, and okay, okay, if that's how you feel and that's what you think. And obviously I'm being silly, but that's kind of where we've gotten today. Truth, truth has become so subjective. Truth no longer is, hey, it's solid, it's truth. Truth now is so much about, well, how do you feel about that truth? Well, that truth doesn't work for me. Okay, well, then it doesn't have to be a truth for you. But the fact is, we got to be realistic as we sit here this morning. Truth is still truth. That's a chair. You sit on it. You know? I mean, I guess if you spray enough perfume and you blindfold somebody, you might be able to convince them it's some exotic flower. But the truth is still the truth. And that's what I want to focus on this morning. The title of my message this morning is The Kingdom Way. And if you were at the men's midweek on Tuesday, you're going, hey, that was the same lesson you used for the married men. The same title. And you're correct. That title has really been inspiring me. Because I feel like I'm really having a mind change. I'm having repentance. That I want my way to be the kingdom way. I want to go to work the kingdom way. I don't want to be like, hey, I'll get back to God when I'm done with work. I want to be focused on God when I'm at work. And you know what's amazing? When I'm focused on God when I'm at work, when I have free time at work, I make a phone call. Hey, brother, how are you? I send a little text message. What's up, dude? Just thinking about you. Want to encourage you. I, you know, I, uh, I'll, I'll do something that I know might help somebody. It's amazing. You know, I want to have that mindset of the kingdom way. It's amazing. When you have the kingdom way, you don't go, well, I'm with my family now. Uh, when I'm not with my family, I'll have the kingdom way. It's amazing when you have that mindset. You're like, hey, I want to I be close to my wife, and I want us to be focused on helping other people, on encouraging the church, on being a team trying to help other people become Christians, on going out to the AYSO soccer fields and not just saying, oh, we're going to be here all day, but going, hey, who can we talk to today? It's been exciting, like teaming up. You know, we're sitting down next to people, and they think we're just sitting down, and we're like, yeah, we're just sitting down, and we want to talk to you, but we really want to study the Bible with you. We really want you to come to the women's service next Sunday. Uh, we really want you to know God. Yeah. You know, it's amazing when, you, when your mind switches, and I really hope today that many of us as Christians can, can reignite the spark of saying, I want my, my way to be the kingdom way. And I really hope for some of us who are here who maybe left the church can get inspired that I want my way to be the kingdom way once again. And I really hope for some of you who are here today who haven't made that decision yet that today could really inspire you that, hey, I want to go the kingdom way. And the first point this morning is the wrong way. Nobody likes the wrong way, but we got to talk about it. Turn your Bible to Titus. Right before Philemon, which is right before Hebrews. Just go to Hebrews, it's big, and turn back a few pages. But while you're turning there, I want to talk about some interesting facts that I found. And, and obviously, you can find studies that say different things. Take that into consideration. 92% of the people in America believe in God or a universal spirit. So almost all of America says, yes, there is a higher being. Yes, there is a God. Fantastic. More than half of the Americans polled pray at least once a day. Amen. Man, if almost 
all of America believes in God and half of them are praying, America should be the most amazing place in the world spiritually. There should be like no problems. We shouldn't need locks. We shouldn't need banks. I should be able to set my money on my front lawn and go, I'm going to work. And if somebody has a bad day and steal it, they'll knock on my door that night. Hey, dude, I just want to be honest. It's having a bad day. I stole your money. There you go. Hey, no problem. Just put it back on the lawn. I mean, that's how it should be, right? According to these stats. But then I found some, some other interesting stats. And this first one really stood out to me because, to me, this is one of the biggest ways in our society that people try to feel, fill the empty void in their life. In the last month, 25% of the people between the ages of 13 and 34 have binge drank to just get absolutely drunk. In the last month, 25% of the people between 13 and 34 in the United States. And why that stands out to me is I know I used to get drunk a lot before I became a disciple, and I did it... One, because I wanted to fit in, but two, because I was just like, well, maybe this will fill, fill what I feel is missing. So, you know, drink some more, you know, nasty beers or 40s or whatever I was drinking. So to me, that's really telling. Another stat that I just goes, yeah, goes back to, oh, nothing's clear today. 70% of the people affiliated with a religion, believe that many religions can lead to eternal salvation. All roads lead to the same path. Your, your God can be a guy. Your God could be a girl. Your God could be an animal. As long as you know there's a higher power. There's truth, people. There's truth. Titus 1, verse 15. Everything is pure to those whose hearts are pure. But nothing is pure to those who are corrupt and unbelieving, because their minds and consciences are corrupted. Such people claim they know God, but they deny him by the way they live. They are detestable and disobedient, worthless for doing anything good. Notice what it says there, talking about people who claim they know God, but they deny him by the way they live. That's the, the wrong way. Just because you claim to know God does not mean anything. The Bible comments on that. There are many people who claim to know God, but they deny him by the way they live. Many people feel close to God. Many people say they are close to God. Well, have you seen, have you seen some of the shirts I own? Have you seen some of my bumper stickers? I am so close to God. And yet it says by the way they live, not the happy thoughts they think. You know, the, the, the amazing thing is, is these people think they're doing great, right? It says they claim to know God, so they think they're doing great. But look what God said. He, if you look right above there in verse 15, God says they are corrupt and unbelieving because their minds and consciences are corrupted. How can this be? What's causing the corruption? 
the corruption is we, we live in a society today where people put more value on what they think and feel rather than the truth. So what does the scripture tell us? The scripture tells us America can tell you you're fine. I mean, all you got to do is turn on TV or open a magazine. You deserve the best. You deserve this vacation. You are an amazing person. I mean, I don't think anywhere else in the world probably comes as close to America telling each of us as individuals how of great importance we are to the world and how much we matter and that we are perfect. But America is not in charge. America is not the truth. The word of God is the truth. We need to do things his way. Go ahead and turn over to 1 John 2. And I really think it's important to hear that because this is what God's saying. They claim to know God but deny him by the way they live. You know, you go back to that poll of 92% of people, they're like, hey, I believe in God, it's all good. I meet people all the time, oh, I believe in God, that's all I need. Obviously, these people believe in God. Not, they're saying, hey, I know him. But they denied him by the way they live. 1 John 2, verse 3. And we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. We need to obey God's commands. I'm not up here telling you, you know, guys, I I woke up this morning just really feeling some things, and I want to channel them. I'm reading the word of God that he gave us so that we could have a relationship with him. And he tells us we need to obey his commands. He says that if we don't obey his commands, we're not with him and we don't really know him. And in response to this, some of us even sitting here this morning can say, I feel that is too strong what you are saying right now. As long as I know God exists, that should be enough. Or, hey, I try to be a good person. The scriptures are the standard. Let the scriptures speak. The scriptures are what are supposed to convict us and guide us. We need to be humble. Living by our feelings and thoughts is the wrong way. But we don't want to go the wrong way, right? We're not here this morning to go the wrong way. We're here this morning because we want to go the right way. Amen? That's my second point, the right way. Going the right way is awesome. Many of us have driven in a car, driving down the road, perhaps with your spouse, and and you're informed, you're going the wrong way. And you go, no, I'm going the right way. Sometimes you find out that indeed they were right and you were going the wrong way and you feel horrible. But other times you find out, no, I was going the right way and that feels fantastic. (laughs) Not that I would rub that in on my wife, nor would any of you. But it feels good 
when you are reaffirmed that indeed you are going the right way. Go ahead and turn your Bibles over to Jeremiah 29. We all love going the right way. We all want to go the right way. And in Jeremiah, we're going to see a passage that shows us how to go the right way. Jeremiah 29. We're going to start in verse 11. Now this was written to the Israelites. And they were in captivity in Babylon. Now there had been times before where the Israelites had indeed been going the right way. But they started going the wrong way. So God, through Jeremiah, wrote the Israelites a letter saying, Hey, wake up. You're going the wrong way. I want you to go the right way. And he gave them the secret. We're going to start in verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. Well, that sounds awesome. What a bummer if God's like, I know the plans I have for you. I'm going to crush you like a bug. I'm going to make you squirm. You are going to feel my wrath. No. God's being gentle. He's picking them up. Come on, guys. Let's get up. Verse 12. In those days when you pray, I will listen. Now listen here in verse 13. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. So how does God say we can go the right way? And we need to listen to this even if we're a disciple this morning because some of us have forgotten. It has to be your main priority. Not just, oh yes, I've been a disciple a while. It's great. It's fantastic. I fit it in when I can. He tells them it has to be your main priority. He tells them they have to put their whole self into being close to God, to knowing God and walking with God. They have to be 100% committed to doing things God's way. That's what wholehearted is. Everybody here knows what wholehearted is. Everybody here has had things in your life that you've put your whole heart into and things that you've put less than your whole heart into. You know, a while back, I made a decision that I was going to get in good shape and I was going to stay in good shape. And it was a fun decision to make. That day was great. I have made a decision. I'm going to get in shape. I felt great the rest of the day. I'm going to go get some ice cream, man. I feel fantastic about this decision. Woo! Kids, you want some cake? Come on, Dad made a decision. You know, that was easy. Making that decision, oh, you know, the rest of the day you're just, yeah, I'm going to be in feeling good. I'm going to get in shape. All right. But then the next day came. And I had decided, all right, I'm going to start swimming. Because last winter, I almost, I thought I was going to drown in big waves one day. And I was, and I was like, you know what? I want to be a better swimmer and I want to get in shape. So I went to the, to the Y and I started to swim. And, uh, you know, it's amazing you see, like, the Olympics, and you just watch them. I was like, <laughs> and this, this, this young guy, this 19-year-old guy was watching me, Dragos, originally from Romania. Now he, 
He's in the Inland Empire. He's out here going to school. He's watching me, and he's seen me show up a couple days a week. And, you know, in, in my mind, I was going to just go like 30 laps nonstop. But I'd be like, <gasps> I get to the other side. <sighs> then I'd go back. <sighs> and so finally, Dragos is like, uh, hey, I see you've been coming. Um, do you want me to teach you how to swim? <laughs> you know, pride can flare up. I'm a 36-year-old man. What can I help you with, young man? But I was like, okay, you can teach me how to swim, because I want to know. And I was a little tempted, because you're swimming, and the way the Y is set, the entrance is next to the pool, and it's all glass. So I'm out there, and he's telling me what to do, and there's all these little kids looking out there at me, and their moms are looking out at me, and I'm like, hey, how's it going, you know? Yeah, this, this kid's teaching me how to swim. But you know what? It was awesome because I wanted to know how to swim. And I knew if I knew how to swim, I could work out more. There's a lesson there. You know, sometimes... When you're trying to become a Christian, we get all prideful. Oh, I don't know if I want you to teach me the Bible. But you need somebody to teach you. But you know, when you really have a heart you want to learn, you don't care. You don't care if they're older than you, younger than you. Really, the only thing you care is if they shower and use deodorant. So I started swimming, and I started getting it down. But then I was like, you know what, I want to take it to the next level. And I take my dog on a prayer walk every morning, and I was like, you know what, this needs to be a prayer run. So, started, and you know, the first week I'm doing short little run. Oh, this is great. This is so fun. And then I'm like, all right, now you got to start running further. And you're like, <sighs> you know, my dog's running next to me. I'm like, I want to just kick him or, you know. Duke's fine. Duke is very loved. Duke is babied in our house. But you know, you're all angry. There's days where you just feel like you're going to die. Or some days I'll be running and I keep making myself go further every week. And you're running with a cramp and you're like, ah, I, just, I should just walk. But I'm like, no, I said that I'm going to wholeheartedly go after getting in shape and staying in shape. And there's always obstacles. But if that's your focus, you do it. Right. And I'm not there yet, but I'm on my way. Because I want to be wholehearted about getting in shape. Well, it's the same in our relationship with God. To go the right way, we got to be wholehearted. And there's times we don't know what we're doing. If you're not a disciple, you need somebody else to help you with the Bible. If you're a disciple and you're not doing good spiritually, you need somebody to help you with the Bible. There are times you want to quit, times you want to turn around, times you want to kick the dog. Times you think, son, now isn't a good time for you to be acting up like this. I need to be at church. I'm supposed to speak today and your mother's not here. But you got to keep going. Why? Because we need to be wholehearted with God. Look in John chapter 12. This to me was a spark. You know, I've been a disciple 16 years. And for many years, I was wholehearted about God. It is all about God all the time, baby. But I got to a tipping point where so many things happened. I was just like, you know what? Too much. Too many people have crossed the line with me. 
I want my own camp, me and my family. The rest of you, leave us alone. And most of you have watched it because it's when I got here. And uh, when I, and uh, you know, through time, God's really helped me, and people in the church have really helped me. And a while back, this scripture just hit me. Let's read it. John 12, verse 24. I tell you the truth. It's always important to, when Jesus says, I tell you the truth, to listen. <laughs> Since he's in charge. Unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their lives in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. You know what the right way is? Being the seed that falls to the ground and dies. But even many of us as disciples, you know what? I got to a point where I'm like, I want my seed back. I'm still coming to church. I still love God, but I want my seed back. And you know, I'd given up my whole life, and in a spiritual kind of way, I was kind of going to, to pawn shops. I want my stuff back. I want, I want the old me back. And then I read the scripture, and it was really hitting me. And I was like, wow, I picked up my seed. My wife and I had a good talk, and I'm like, we've wasted enough of God's time. Let's get our seeds back on the ground. And then I told her I want to move overseas and be a missionary, and she was like, oh! I'm like, hey, pray about it. Um, you know, guys, I, I can't encourage us enough, whether you're a disciple or not here today, don't love your life. It's not worth it. It is not worth it to love your life. Your life is so short. And your life is not as happy with, without God as it is with God. Let your life go. Be the kernel that falls to the ground and dies. There is nothing... Whatever you, quote, think your special circumstances are, there is nothing worth keeping your seed in your pocket. Before you know it, your life's going to be over, and then you're going to stand before God, and you're going to be like, really? i got to hear God say, I don't know you, really, over these things that I thought were so important? And that's even for some of us in the church. Right. You know, it's funny. <clears throat> um, Andrew and I, my, my friend Andrew and I were, were laughing because it was like 10 years ago that we were at his house playing with his little brother and sister, having a big water fight in the front yard, and his brother and sister <clears throat> were my kids' ages, and I was his age. And I'm like, dude, now you can come to my house, and my own kids are the age of your brother and sister, and you're my age, and you could have a water fight with them. And it was like that, like that. Guys, we need to have a mind change. we got to go from doing things the wrong way and start going the right way. And not just the right way, but all the way. That's my third point, all the way. Turn your Bibles to Matthew 13. You know, you don't want to turn just for a minute. A lot of times that does more damage than good. If you know people who have bad characteristics in their life, and they change for a little bit, and then they go back. Ah, oh, just breaks your heart. We want to be people who go all the way. Matthew 13. 
Jesus taught a lot of things in parables. Why? Because a lot of the people he was talking to when he was alive were religious. And they, in their, this is what their heart looked like when Jesus talked to them. Hmm. Like a mad kid. That's how their heart looked. I already know. I don't need to hear anything from you. So Jesus would tell stories trying to just, just slip in. If he could just slip it in there, maybe it would convict them in their heart. And they could change and be saved. And he told this parable about the kingdom way. Matthew 13, verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. In our world, that doesn't make sense. A guy in his excitement sold everything so he could have this. Obviously, he realized that everything he possessed was not as valuable as what he could have if he gave up everything. That's God's kingdom. Everything we have doesn't even come close to being in God's kingdom. Not even close. All the way is making God's kingdom our life. You know why, you know why the man excitedly sold everything? Because what he was getting was so amazing. So much greater than what he possessed. That's what the kingdom is. You know, when we don't have this mindset, and we're like, no, that's not what the kingdom is. It's not because that's a true statement about God's kingdom. It's because we don't see it or because we've given our heart to another. Remember in the beginning we were talking about how we try to make truth relative? God's kingdom is the most amazing thing there is. But sometimes as Christians we're like, no, it's not. But that's because we've given our heart to another. That's because we've changed our mind back. We flipped the switch from God's kingdom to my kingdom. You know, if you aren't a disciple, this might not make sense. I could be speaking Portuguese to you this morning about how great God's kingdom is. But, you know, if you study the Bible, you find out. I really encourage you to. You know, for those of us in the church, is that your mindset? When you look at that guy, both of them, who were looking for something, and they both found it, and they, got, they sold everything just to have it. Is that where your heart is this morning? Is that where your mind is? You know, we need to be honest as a church about the seduction of wealth, about even as disciples, we can become drawn by wealth. Hello. Hello, wealth. Hello, amazing car I could have. Hello, house in a more exclusive area I could have. Hello, better vacations. 
We can start climbing the ladder. Yeah, hello. We get drawn by money, but it's a lie. But we got to be honest. We got to be honest about the seduction of prestige, where we can become so consumed with how will I be viewed at my company? Do they recognize me in the halls? That we start to become more focused on that than God. Or how will I be recognized in this neighborhood? Well, if I get this, this, and this, people will know it's about me. We got to be honest about the desire for other things and worldly cares. And we got to deal with them. Because all the way is having a mindset that it's all about God. You know, selling everything means we change our mindset. That our focus is now God's kingdom. And everything I do goes through that mindset. That's what repentance is. That's what the kingdom way is. I, I present to you this story that Jesus said. These guys were amped. You think you've been to a great concert? You think you felt the thrill of an amazing sporting event? You think you've solved the problem in the company and you've been at the top of the mountain? None of it compares to the joy when you have truly made the, the kingdom way your way. Let's not go the wrong way, guys. Let's go the right way, all the way. If you are a Christian who's headed the wrong way, turn around. Have a mind change. It's about God. If you used to be a Christian, get some help. And get going the kingdom way. So you can go all the way with God. Nothing else is worth it. If you aren't a Christian, be humble. Yeah, sometimes you feel like you're a 36-year-old man in a pool being coached by a young kid while everybody else is watching. But it's okay. Because then you, you get taught. Be the person who cares nothing for your life in this world, like I talked about in John 12, 24 and 25, so you can keep your life for eternity with God. Guys, let's go all the way. Let's go the kingdom way. Amen.